Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Let's pray together. Almighty God, thank you that you're here this morning, that you bring good news, and that you've come to change us. And Lord, we we desperately need to be changed because our lives... Uh, at times they're just uh, a monotony, and at times they're filled with hurt and pain, and at times, Lord, we find ourselves struggling with, uh, with all the things that are going around us. We thank you this morning that you are Lord of all, and we've come to worship you. We ask that you'd speak to us, open us up as we, as we share together this morning in worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, I love that that song we just sang. It reminds me of what what Christ has come to do. Uh, he's He's come to change things. Right? Uh, things don't have to be the way they were. Uh, when I used to go to um, Barnabas Court to preach, they always had the newspaper reading uh, right before the the uh, worship time, uh, and so. People would come in who couldn't read, you know, because they couldn't see well enough to read, so that they would know what was going on in the world, and they'd listen to the to the paper being read. And I always walked in. I said, "Well, you heard the bad news. Now for the good news," and and that's the truth, uh, because Christ brings good news into our lives. And a lot of people here, uh, the church, bring bad news, but that's not what the church is about. Christ came to bring good news into your life. And this good news is so good that, that the writer of the Gospel of Mark uh, sat down and he finished the story of the resurrection. And then it wasn't enough. You see, he'd heard some other stories. So he, he, he added this addendum. I'm calling it an addendum this morning. Uh, now, you'll read some of your scriptures will say, well, there are some places, some manuscripts don't have this in it. And maybe they don't, but I can tell you this, this is exciting. Whoever saw this decided there's more to the story. And we can't stop telling it. So this morning we're talking about what's happening post-Easter. And I, I encourage you to read with me the Gospel of Mark chapter 16, beginning with verse 9. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, He appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom He had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with Him and who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen Him, they did not believe it. Afterward, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them. 
and confirmed His Word by the signs that accompanied it. May God add God's blessing to the reading and hearing of this God's most holy Word. So as Mark shared with us, yeah, last week was Easter. Oh, and by the way, if there are children here that want to go to Children's Church, now's your chance uh, to, to make your way to uh, that learning opportunity. So, uh, no, Mark, you've got to stay. <laughs> uh, this morning, uh, it's, it's the week after Easter, as Mark reminded us, and last week was pretty exciting. Boy, I, I can't thank the drama team enough and the, the praise team and 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 the and the guys who did the breakfast i mean it was just an awesome morning i think i gained 50 pounds but it was worth it uh we had a great time together celebrating what christ was is doing in our lives and and if you missed the singspiration time you missed a great time of sharing what god was doing and celebrating that and we found out that brie is pregnant so that was all exciting and we, we all celebrate that and we're excited about that keep her in your prayers um it was a great morning wasn't it but but you know this is what happens after Easter, right? Uh, we we kind of hit that high, and it's like, yeah, it's Easter, He's risen. And then we went back to work on Monday. And I don't know about you, but the rest of the world wasn't all that excited. And, and so there's, there, there happens that post-Easter, I, I want to call it that post-Easter slump, you know? You put all this effort in, and, and you're all excited, and then all of a sudden, boom, it hits you. Oh yeah, life goes on, doesn't it? And certainly for the, for the disciples, something different had happened. And for them, the post-Easter experience seems to be some, somewhat different. And so I'm hoping this year that we can uh, begin to push through that post-Easter doldrums and see what God continues to do so that we could continue to celebrate the resurrection. The early church celebrated the resurrection every Sunday. Every Sunday was Easter Sunday. They believed that's how important it was and what a difference it made in our lives. And what I find interesting is on that Easter morning, uh, Mark has, Mark, the Gospel of Mark has shared with us um, the, the, the women going to the tomb, and then he kind of ends it with this, and they were afraid uh, they didn't tell anybody. But of course, that wasn't how it all unfolded, right? That's where he ended his gospel, and he realized that he didn't really want it. I think he realized that, and others say, well, maybe someone else added on. I don't care. God understood that that's not where it ends. And so we have this addendum, this, this um, attachment to the end of the gospel, and and. Scholars will say to you, well, it doesn't look like Mark's writing, and it doesn't use the same kind of words. I, uh, you know, for me, none of that makes any difference. God put it here for a reason, a- and I'm pretty excited about that reason, because as I read this, I thought, wow, this is too exciting not to keep in the gospel. And so this morning, I want you to see this addendum, and I think what, what has happened here is, is God has added this so that we could see clearly there's a focus in this addendum. This isn't just tacked on, and oh, well, we should probably add these stories. No, these stories have a meaning and a purpose so that we could see something that I think will help us 
push through the post-Easter doldrums and give us that excitement, not just on Easter Sunday, but perhaps every Sunday, well, maybe even every day. Because you see, I believe that Jesus is doing something awesome every day. Now, here's the focus. The focus of this addendum is the issue of faith and unbelief. And and this is the way this plays out, doesn't it? We either have faith in a situation or we have unbelief. You remember the, the, when Jesus went up on the mountain to be transfigured, and when he came down, there was the guy that had uh, his child that, that kept throwing itself in the water and the fire, fire and, it, and he was trying to get help. He brought his son to the disciples, and the disciples had no clue what to do. And, and Jesus then rebukes them for their lack of faith. And then he says to the man who brought his child, um, do you believe? And the man says, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. That's right, because he realized his faith went so far, but could it go the next step? Could he really believe that God could actually heal his child, that Jesus could actually do something about it? Now, there were a lot of impediments, right? Think about it. I mean, he brought his child to the church, and they couldn't do anything about it. How then could Jesus do something about it? I got good news this morning. Jesus healed that boy. And Jesus is still doing mighty deeds. The question is one of unbelief or one of faith. Where do you stand? Where do you stand? Think about the situations in your life right now. Where do you stand? Do you stand on faith or do you stand in unbelief? Are you like the Father saying, Lord, help my unbelief? Or or are you like Jesus saying, hey, this is going to be a piece of cake because Jesus is in charge? Where do you stand? Now, This is what happens. He begins by telling about this woman, Mary Magdalene. And and he he specifically mentions that Mary Magdalene, uh, and of course this is an original photo. (laughs) I love putting these pictures up here. (laughs) It's like, yeah. No, well, you know, we color shopped it, so whatever that is. I don't know. No. <laughs> anyway, Mary, here's Mary Magdalene. Uh, imagine that's Mary Magdalene anyway. And, and did you notice what, what the writer mentions about Mary Magdalene? That seven demons have been cast out of her. Seven demons. And yet Jesus wants to see her. As a matter of fact, she is one of the first ones that he appears to as the risen Savior. This one who had been bound by seven demons, who had been set free by Jesus. And Jesus wants to connect with Mary Magdalene because Mary Magdalene had this close relationship with Jesus Christ. She loved him desperately. As a matter of fact, when Jesus appears to her at the tomb, and we did this in the skit, you may remember, she doesn't even recognize him at first because she's so upset, she thinks someone has stolen the body. And when Jesus says her name, all of a sudden, "Ah, it's Jesus. She couldn't wait to see Jesus. And when she sees Jesus, Jesus says, Mary, go tell everybody else. Go tell the disciples that I'm alive. And so Mark Mark shares with us. She goes and she tells all the disciples that Jesus is alive. Now here's the question. Why didn't the disciples believe her? Well, I can think of a hundred reasons. 
One, one because, first of all, it seems totally ludicrous that someone who is dead would be alive again. Doesn't that sound kind of crazy? How many of you have seen dead people alive? Wow, that's few and far between. <sighs> it seems like it could never happen. Furthermore, she was a woman. And if you remember, in the skit, one of the I had one of the disciples say, this isn't biblical, by the way. One of the disciples said, sounds like a woman's tale to me. Have you ever heard that phrase before? Why would we ever use that phrase unless we were deciding that women weren't credible witnesses? And of course, in Jesus' day, they weren't credible according to the law of the land. But you see, to Jesus, they were very credible. Furthermore, this woman had seven demons in her. Another reason not to believe her. If she, if she was open to seven demons, why now would I believe? She's probably delusional. But you see, despite all those reasons that we give that says she would not be a credible witness, God says, listen, this person is very worthy to be a witness for me. Now, uh, the reason why I bring this up is because sometimes we look at people and, and they share stuff with us from God and we don't hear it. You know why we don't hear it? Because we discount who they are. Or who they were. Or who we think they are. We need to be very careful that when we're listening for God's voice, that we're open to hearing God from any source. God can speak from any source. As a matter of fact, uh, in the very, very next story that the writer shares with us is the two guys walking through the country. We call them country bumpkins. And frequently we see them as uneducated people. As a matter of fact, now these, these two may not have been country bumpkins. I know some of you are already thinking that. Well, it doesn't say, they're, doesn't say that. It says they're out walking through the country. Okay, they may have been city folk, but whether they're city folk or country bumpkins, here's the point. They were most likely uneducated because most of the disciples were uneducated. They were fishermen. They were common laborers. They weren't people who had gone for their master's degree or their doctorate. They simply heard the Word of God and it became alive in their lives. And these two, as a matter of fact, the, the gospel, Gospels tell us, as they're walking along the road, Jesus came along and began to walk beside them. And he wanted to know why they were so upset because he's noted that they were downcast. He wanted to know why they were, why are you so upset? And they're like, are you the only one that hasn't heard what happened in Jerusalem? I love it. I love this. Are you the only one that hasn't heard what has happened in Jerusalem? Here's Jesus, the one to whom it had all happened. And they're like, haven't you heard? Don't you know what's going on? And they began to share how the one they thought was the Messiah had been crucified and died and was put in the tomb. And, and I can't help but get this image of Jesus just kind of smiling through the whole thing. And then the Scripture says that He began to open up the Scriptures to them and reveal to them so that they would understand what God had done. And they got so excited because they began to understand what God had done. You see, uh, 
Education doesn't always happen in school, folks. God is teaching His people every day in different ways. A child educated only at school is an uneducated child. How's that? We need to teach them about what Jesus is doing and how God is at work. And we need to be willing to listen to what God is saying to them. Isn't that interesting? And so they come and they're all excited. They, they walked with Jesus because when they stopped, you remember, and he broke the bread, all of a sudden they recognized Jesus. Boy, they were all excited. And so they come back, and guess what? They didn't believe these, these boys either. There was probably a hundred reasons not to believe them. And yet what had happened was true. It's fascinating to me how we miss what God is saying over and over again because we've decided through whom God can speak. God only speaks through the pastor, right? Why are you laughing? God only speaks through religious people. What's amazing to me is I hear God speak in all kinds of places. You know what the psalmist said? The psalmist said, and Jesus pointed that out, the psalmist said that, we usually say it this way, out of the mouths of babes. You ever hear that? Did you know our children sometimes speak God's Word into our lives? If you're a young person here today, don't don't discount what God is saying to you. Do you remember when Samuel was a little kid? Samuel was a little kid and his parents left him at church. Watch out. For, for the priest to take care of, the high priest to take care of. Don't get any ideas, parents. Just saying. Yeah, you got three. <laughs> I know where you live. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm joking about that, but, but God had, had offered this child to Hannah, and Hannah had offered this child to the service of God. And so this child lived in the temple and served God there. His name was Samuel. You remember that? And God spoke to Samuel. And Samuel thought it was the high priest, so he went in and woke the high priest up. Eli, Eli's like, well, what's the problem? He says, you called me. Eli says, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. So the boy goes back to bed. God calls again. Samuel, Samuel. Samuel's like, must be Eli. Gets up. You know, Samuel didn't realize that God would actually talk to him, a child. He goes in, he wakes Eli up. Eli, you called me. I didn't call you. And then Eli all of a sudden gets it. I bet you God is talking to you. He says, listen to what God has to say. So Eli goes back to bed, and God calls him again. And this time, God tells him, hey, Eli, or, hey Samuel, Eli's been do- children have been doing wrong things, and I'm going to hold them accountable for that. And Samuel went to bed. Now, my guess is at breakfast the next morning, he was a little nervous. And Eli had the wisdom to ask him, what God tell you? And, and I don't know how Samuel immediately responded. If it were me, I'd probably have been uh, mumbling a little bit. And, uh, but finally, he comes out with what God... Look, God spoke through a child. Young people today, God wants to speak to you and through you. You're a powerful force within the people of God. Don't let people say, oh, you're too young. 
You're not too young. And by the way, the other is true also. You're not too old. I hear people all the time say, well, you know, I'd like to go on a mission trip, but I'm too old. Baloney. If God's calling you, I guess you're not too old. Step out in faith. The psalmist said it this way, through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe of the avenger. Do you hear the power of that? That's awesome stuff. But you know what? God doesn't even have to use st- uh, children. You, you should listen to children. But what, you know what's really fascinating to me? God even used stones. Or could use stones, Jesus said. Do you remember that? Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, riding in on the donkey there. Everybody's praising him. The, the Pharisees are saying, Jesus, tell your disciples to shut them up. And Jesus says, if they shut up, the stones will cry out. It amazes me that we have people who study what's happening in our world and they fail to see that God is speaking through that to them. If you look at science, science reveals the glory of God over and over and over again. And let me say this real quickly because I think this is important especially for our young people who are in school or who are going to the university. You need to hear very clearly something. Okay? Our world believes that we think that God is a God of the gaps. In other words, if we can't explain something that's happening in the world, that, that then we say, well, that's God at work. I want you to hear something very clearly. God is not a God of the gaps. God is a God of what, what everything that's happening, whether we understand it or not. And the things that we understand is God's hand working in powerful ways. He's just given us the ability to understand how it all works. We have an awesome God. And He's speaking to us. He's speaking to you. He's speaking through all of creation. Because He wants you to know that He is not dead. He is alive. That Jesus is alive. He's not stuck in the tomb. He walked out alive. Can you hear Him? Are you listening? You see, the first step to moving from unbelief to faith is to begin to listen. Listen to those things that you hear that are true and mark them down and watch God work. Second of all, um, this, is, this to me is awesome. Jesus then tells them to go and share the good news. Now, here, here's the part I think where we run into trouble um, because we forget that what Jesus has done is good news. You say, well, I, I don't forget that. I, I know that Jesus' resurrection is good news. Uh, do, do you understand the force of what you're saying? Because if Jesus is alive, then all things are possible. And not only that, we see God calling us to do, to share that incredible good news that's happening in our lives. And, and here, I want to give you a couple examples. First of all, the good news is the fact that we can love now. We're no longer bound by hate or anger. We can now love. And we can love everybody. Let me give you an example. It just happened last week. Uh, you may remember on Palm Sunday, uh, there were churches bombed in Egypt. Do you remember that? ISIS took responsibility for that. Palm Sunday, churches were bombed. 44 people were killed. 44 followers of Jesus were killed on that day. Palm Sunday. 
On Good Friday, the church got together. They understood more than they probably had had for years the persecution that Jesus suffered. And they got together and they prayed. And they prayed for those who had died and for those who were grieving. On Easter morning, they got together. And the preacher got up and he said, this is what I want you to know today. Jesus died for those ISIS followers who have attacked us. And he calls us to love them. And we're going to spend Easter morning praying for them because we believe that Jesus has the power to change lives. That's what love can do. We are called to love them, he said. Let's get on our knees and pray for them. Do you understand the good news that's in that? Hate does not win. Anger does not win. Jesus wins. You see that person at work that just drives you nuts and maybe has been trying to attack you and get you out of work. I want you to know right now that in the gospel of Jesus Christ, as you understand the good news, Jesus has set you free to love that person. If you truly believe that he died and rose again, then he has the power to change your heart to love that person. Isn't that awesome? You see, that's good news. Because our world is stuck in hate and anger. And we desperately need to know what love really is. When I, went, when I was looking for this graphic, I, uh, you know, I forget because you know, I, I get caught up in, in what I understand and what God has revealed about His love. So I go to images, right? And I type in love. You wouldn't believe what you saw. Most of it had nothing to do with love. A lot of it had to do with lust, quite frankly. Most of it had nothing to do with love. Love is giving up the, the anger and the hatred in your life and, and allowing Jesus to fill you with that grace and that love. And listen very carefully. The reason why that can happen is because when He hung on that cross, He looked at you and He said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. If He's forgiven you, you see, then He rose again from the dead to give you the power to love. But not just love. You can give, give up that selfish attitude that, that's been hanging on to you, that it's all about you. This is our world, isn't it? I, I love this picture. Selfish. Did you catch it? Getting a selfie for the selfish. Uh, our world is all about that. I, I think it's interesting that now when kids communicate, they take a Snapchat of themselves on Snapchat and, and they type something. So they're always taking pictures of themselves. That bothers me. I, but I don't like the way I look most of the time. I, I don't think I, something about that just turns me off. I guess I'm getting old. What can I say? You break enough phones without that, huh, Kenny? Uh, but, 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 but our young people today, that's how they communicate, right? Am I wrong? Uh, you, you take a picture of yourself. Now, that's not necessarily wrong. Don't, don't hear me. Don't mishear me. But what I want you to say is it is a reaction of our culture where it's all about me. It's all about what can happen to me and for me. It's all about me. Uh, and, and Jesus says it's not all about you. It's all about Him. And if He rose again from the dead, then your life could be about something more important than about you. 
it could be about Him. You would have good news. You see, if you were no longer the center of your life, if Jesus was now the center of your life, you would have good news to share. Because Jesus brings peace and joy and contentment into our lives. And purpose. When we focus in on ourselves, we see the struggles and the trials and the pain. And we try to overcome those things by putting more of ourselves in. If I could have this, or if I could get that, or if I could be this, or if I could do that. And so we're always striving to be something else besides the fact, besides what Christ has created us to be. His child. And He rose again from the dead to grab you and to become center of your life. Alive in your life. So you could be dead to all these things you've been pursuing that have gotten you nowhere. A number of years ago, the Detroit Red Wings won the NHL Stanley Cup. That was a couple of years ago, a number of years ago. Um, and, and as they won the cup, uh, everybody was cheering, and that's going to happen here again in a few weeks. Someone else will be on the ice cheering and celebrating. And I, Not Detroit this year. This year. Um, and, and I looked at my wife. My team, having just won the Stanley Cup, I said, this is the saddest day of the year. She said, what do you mean? I said, well, hockey's over. Now, I tell you that story because I want you to hear these, these guys who work their hearts out to win the Stanley Cup or, or to win the Lombardi Trophy or to win whatever you win in basketball. They work so hard. What happens the day after they win? The bragging begins. But what do you go for then? Depression. What's the next step? What, you go to three-peat? You go to do it again? Do it again? Where's, there, there's nothing fulfilling anymore they work so hard and now there's nothing but in easter you work so hard to see jesus alive and when you see him he comes into your life and he gives you purpose and direction says hey i got something for you to do. i want you to tell everybody the good news this is good news to get rid of selfishness and and the best news of all of course is we're no longer dead we're alive you see we now we we now live Because Jesus died, we now live. And that's awesome. Because Jesus walked out of the tomb and he said, listen, I have a a life for you. I've come that you might have life and have it, what? More abundantly. And so even when we walk to the cemetery, we have life. Because we know that Jesus rose from the dead. The scripture says the first fruit of those who would rise from the dead. Okay, and now the best part. Well, maybe not the best part. So uh, we'll skip that. So um, we want to share the good news. And and lastly, I I don't want to miss out on this because I really wanted Bobby uh, to come down so I could hand him a few snakes uh, to handle because I know he loves snakes. Um, Actually, is he not here? He probably disappeared because I told him we were going to handle snakes today. Uh, I I want you to see that because Jesus rose again from the dead, uh, we can dare to do mighty things. As a matter of fact, God wants to do mighty things through us. Did you know that? 
He wants to do great things through you. Uh, in Jeremiah, he says, Call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Now, I want you to stop a minute and think, what's the wildest thing that Jesus could do in my life? What's the wildest thing that God could do in my life? What's the craziest thing right now in your mind? What's the craziest thing that God could do? Because I I want you to hear the crazy things that the gospel writer suggests. He suggests driving out demons. He suggests speaking in new tongues. He suggests picking up snakes with their hands. He suggests drinking poison, deadly poison, and not being hurt. He suggests placing your hands on the sick and that they would be made well. What's the craziest thing that you believe God could do in your life? I want you to see if you have faith, the Scripture says God can do those things. Now this morning we're not going to handle stakes. Uh, quite frankly, I, I, don't, I don't get those churches that do. If they want to do that, that's fine with them. I hate snakes. They can have it. But if there is a moment where God calls me to pick up a snake for the gospel of Jesus Christ, I know that it will be okay. I will freak out. But I will do it because I know that it will be okay. Because I have a God who walks with me. And even if that snake should bite me and I die, yet shall I live. Do you hear me? So I can see God do mighty things in my life. Because I know that He rose again from the dead. And if He rose again from the dead, there's nothing impossible for Him to do. What's amazing is the incredible things He calls us to do. And sometimes we don't hear Him. Sometimes we don't believe it's possible. And sometimes we don't respond. And because of that, we don't see Him do mighty things in our lives. When was the last time you saw God do a mighty work in your life? When was the last time? And then ask yourself, Lord, why not? And could it be because you really don't believe yet? You see, Jesus walked out of that tomb alive. And because of that, all things are possible. And when he calls us, he works in and through us. And maybe you need to, one thing you might need to do is redefine what a mighty thing is in your life. Because the greatest thing that he did was he transformed human beings from dead to alive, from angry to happy, from upset to peaceful, from hateful to loving. He is transforming lives. And if you share His good news with someone else, you might see them make a change. And that's incredible. You know how hard it is to change? Roscoe and I were talking uh, before worship today. I was drinking water. And, of course, most of you know that I was addicted to Mountain Dew for many years. Hi, my name's Dave. I'm addicted to Mountain Dew. Um, I love Mountain Dew. And I love soda. And for years, I... I couldn't drink Mountain Dew anymore because of the caffeine, so I drank um, root beer. And, and then I realized that what I'm really drinking is sugar with a little water added. 
and um, decided it was time to change that. You know how hard it was to change that? I hate water. I still hate water. I'm getting used to it, though. Uh, there are times, actually, when I would like a bottle of water because God is changing that in my life. Change is so super difficult, but God is a mighty God who can change us and can change others and can change our world. Why? Because he rose again from the dead. And if you put your faith in him, if you put your trust in him, he could begin to change you. And maybe it needs to start right here, right now. Where you need to ask Him to come into your life and, and forgive you from those things that in the past happened and you're carrying them around. And you, you need to say, Jesus, I can't carry these anymore. Would you please forgive me? He died to forgive you. He offers you that this morning. That's the first place to start. Maybe there's something that, that in your history has kept you from believing what God can do or that God is able. Wouldn't you give that to Him this morning and say, Jesus, I, I recognize that this is keeping me from putting my faith in You. Um, maybe it's something someone said or did and you're just really struggling with that. I want you to stop a minute and say, Jesus, show me. Show me who You really are. And as he does, open your heart to him. To him, not to them, to him. And he'll begin to change you. And maybe this morning as you sit there, you're thinking, you know, I don't believe God could really use me. There's a lot of things in my life that haven't been right in the past. And, and, I, and, and this morning, I'm not sure Jesus can do mighty things in my life. I want you to hear what the, what the gospel writer said. All those things, mighty acts that God would do if you would put your trust in Him. It's not about you, it's about Him. He wants to change you. He wants to change me this morning. He wants to make us full of faith. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Lord God, we thank You this morning that You've come and spoken to us. And we ask this morning that You would hear our prayer. that this week we would walk through uh, looking for what you're doing, your mighty acts. Remembering that you changed uh, the dry bones and gave them life. That you stepped out of the tomb alive. And that you want to give us life. Lord, there are places in our life that are dead. Dead to you. And we need you. Come, Lord, help our unbelief. Show us your mighty acts that we might share your good news this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.